the Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hi folks, Chris here. Welcome to the first of many, many interviews on the AppSec Podcast. In this episode, Robert and I interview Elena Elkina on the subject of privacy. We cover the foundations of privacy, data protection, and customer data protection. This is a quick chat at around 20 minutes or so. In the future, we'll do a deeper dive on the crossroads of security and privacy. A bit about Elena. Elena is a Senior Global Privacy and Data Protection Management Executive. She's worked with financial and healthcare institutions, software and internet companies, major law firms, and the government sector on both international and domestic levels. She is the co-founder of Women in Security and Privacy, a nonprofit organization that focuses on advancing women in security and privacy. She's also a board member for Leading Women in Technology, a nonprofit organization dedicated to unlocking the potential of female professionals who advise technology businesses. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Elena about privacy and data protection. So today on the Application Security Podcast, we're going to tackle the topic of privacy. And we're also uh, joined today by, by Alana, and we'll let her introduce herself. Um, uh, she's an expert in the field of both security and privacy. And first of all, Alana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robert and Chris. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And so we always start out with one particular question for all of our guests, because we must know what is your security slash privacy superhero origin story? And put another way, how did you get into this field, this crazy field that we think of as security and privacy? Sure, sure. Well, I've started uh, doing privacy work before it became what it is right now, very sexy and hot topic. I started my career as a lawyer doing corporate IP work and mergers and acquisitions. It was about 20 years ago. And uh, seven years into my practice, I realized that my passion for law is outmatched by my desire to build and innovate. And I moved slowly from practicing law into business compliance working with different tech companies. And uh, later on, my deeper dive into privacy began when I joined financial industry and later healthcare. And uh, in US, as you know, privacy is an industry based and we don't have a single law, like for example, in U- European uh, Union that regulates privacy across the nation. Instead, we have different laws regulating industries and uh, healthcare and privacy and, and financial industries to industries that are heavily regulated and have the strictest privacy law. And this is where my, uh, me as a privacy uh, expert was born. And uh, uh, in addition to that, I see privacy as a tool for, for my expression kind of a means to follow what I love because uh, having my legal experience and my legal background definitely helps me a lot by, but I am an engineer in my heart. And I find that privacy and data protection fields allow me to follow my passion and build and create uh, new technologies. Yeah. Yeah. So is there is there one certain event that really drove you into the privacy realm and the security realm? Or was it more of a combination of just everything that you were seeing in, in all of the things you were exposed to? 
it's it's a it's an interesting because it w- I would say it was both. Uh, I grew up in Soviet Union, so I'm a Soviet baby. And uh, when I was growing up, my parents are software engineers, and they were sent during Soviet time to work uh, in a secret city where a nuclear plant was built and a nuclear bomb was developed. So by nature of family circumstances, I spent my childhood behind fence, and I was... Uh, of course, the, the, the Soviet monitoring and surveillance was a big part of our lives, and specifically for my family because we were in a secret city. So from my personal perspective, I was always passionate about privacy as my individual freedom uh, and uh, as my human right. And uh, later on, being a lawyer, that that passion and that right was slowly transition becoming into into like a business differentiator for businesses to make sure that you protect privacy of users but at the same time you use data to to maintain and create new business new technology etc hmm. so i would say it was a combination of both yeah that's a and that's a powerful story to to be influenced by the culture that you were in and to have a desire to want to be focused on privacy because of maybe how yours was being abused in, in the way you grew up. It makes me wonder if some of the current generation now are going to be influenced in that same way here in the United States based on what they've gone through and the disclosures from Snowden and, and all that we know about the U.S.-based you know, monitoring and you could say abuse of privacy privilege. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Privacy means so many different things to different people. It depends who you're talking to, if it's an individual like you and I, or it's a business, or maybe it's the same business or individual in European Union versus in Asia or Russia. There are so many different laws and regulations that have uh, absolutely, well, similar, but at the same time, very different approach to privacy. Uh, to people, I feel like, Especially in the EU, it's an individual, it's a fundamental right. It's the right to be let alone, let alone. And it's freedom from interference or surveillance. So any type of intrusion, not only by the government, but by other people as well. Um, you know, in the US, uh, US lawyers often talk about privacy from the Fourth Amendment, right? And, uh, it's basically prohibition against unreasonable search and seizures as, uh, protecting private spaces. But me, I work in with companies and, and different companies from large corporations to small startups. And when, when we think about privacy, it's more about, uh, authorized use and disclosure of personal information and, uh, how companies do it and how they incorporate transparency, mindfulness and security into that. And, and I feel like, um, a lot of what's happening, it's, it's not only driven by laws and regulations, it's driven by culture. It's driven by mentality. It's driven by history. Uh, and uh, it, it's very important to think about it when we think about privacy. So you've got government. You've got the, the need to protect the information from the government actors. But then it sounds like you're saying that the tech companies and I guess other other companies that are serving up any type of data on the Internet, seems like they're more focused on the data protection side and thinking about how do I segment the data between individual customers. Is that is that what you see in, in, as you look across the industry? Well, I see quite a few different things, including that. There are a lot of different things uh, that companies worry about. First of all, of course, they want to make sure 
the big data boom, it's something that big companies want to take advantage of. And not only big companies, smaller companies as well. How can I use data to create, generate business? And uh, data is money. And we all know about this. Uh, but at the same time, uh, new regulations requires company to think very carefully how they use information and what we do, th- what they do with this information and how they tell people what they do with that. Um, for example, very often privacy law allows you to do many different things, uh, but companies get in trouble how they describe to the, to, to the customers or to the end users what they do with data. Uh, and, uh, also one of the, one of the things that I want to highlight that very often it's not about what you're doing. It, it's about why you're doing that. I'll use myself as a personal example. Healthcare. This is a very tricky, uh, subject because it's very often you, you know, you don't have the same level of knowledge as doctors do. And when you come to see doctor, uh, very often they ask good questions, but very often depending on the information you provide, the, there is the outcome. It can create it can create difference in the outcome and advice you might receive from a doctor. Um, a couple of times I requested my medical records and I was shocked to see how much data was in my file. Data that I don't think was necessary for my doctor to determine my diagnosis or for my doctor to talk to me about particular need. I was very concerned about medical records and right now when I go and talk to the doctor. I provide minimal necessary information, in my opinion. And of course, it can affect the advice I receive from a doctor, but I'm very, I don't trust insurance company in how they use information. It's not about the doctor, but the insurance companies and laws and regulations around it are still very unclear and remain challenging. At the same time, I can, I um, released my genetic code to 23andMe. It's a company, I think it's the only one and one of the first companies that use genetic, provide genetic services to consumers. They basically analyze your DNA and they tell you what kind of health risks you might have or might be exposed in the future. So this is very sensitive information, but because I trust the company and what they do and why they do certain things and why they collect information and, and I am more willing to share information with, uh, with, and uh, to make sure that because I understand the benefits yeah. and uh, I understand what the company does. So there are a lot of things around privacy that are more not about regulations, but it's more about how the company using the information and how much it disclosed to me as a consumer, what it does with that. Yeah. So is, so let me ask you this then is privacy and customer data protection, the same thing or are they something different? Privacy and customer data protection. I would say they are relevant. It's, I would say privacy, it's, it's about, it's private matter. It's what I do with my data, what you do with my data, how you protect, how much control I have over my data. Um, and the, the second part, data protection, it's kind of like the second side of the coin. It's more like security and privacy, right? These are different things, but they cannot exist without each other. I always use an example of a house. Let's say envision a house and uh, the walls are windows. And uh, when you close the windows, when you lock it, you can see everything what's going on in the house, but you cannot get in. Mm-hmm. That's to me security. But when I close the curtain and open the door, 
basically there is no protection. Everyone can get in, but no one can see what's going on. But when both are closed, it's more like it's a privacy and protection. The data is private and uh, I am private. My whatever is going on in, in the house is private. And at the same time, it's protected. Yeah, that's a great what, that's a great example, too. I just I, I'm going to I'm going to borrow that again in the future and I'll I'll, I'll quote you. It's a very good way to talk uh, the way I talk to my engineers and developers kind of trying to differentiate between privacy and security as well as to people because it's important for everyone to understand the difference because people still think that it's the same thing. Privacy and security and protection of data are different things, but they are closely related and cannot exist without each other. Yeah, so I understand that now. So what I want to transition into right now is I want to talk about how privacy impacts developers, but I want to do this a little bit differently. So Robert, I would like if you could... First of all, before Alana talks about anything having to do with privacy developers, give us your take on what the average developer, how the average developer is going to, is thinking about privacy. And remember by average, I mean, not a security, not a security focused developer, but how are they thinking about privacy? And then after we get your take on that, Robert, then Alana, I'd love for you to explain to Robert, who's playing the role mm-hmm. of this average developer, explain to, to, from, from the developer's mindset, because I know you've had experience with that in the past. So, so Robert, first of all, when as an average developer, what do you think of when you hear privacy? Well, sure. Actually, this is an interesting question because even when I do some of my threat modeling sessions with developers, that's always one of the questions I ask about. How are you dealing with privacy? So then I get their take on it. So it's a, kind of a, an interesting question. And generally what I'm hearing is uh, they do think about, you know, the things that they do with data, uh, but not so much, uh, you know, the data protection and not understanding the difference between that data protection and privacy. And so generally what I'm hearing is I'm just trying to protect or are trying to hide certain data or not save it. For example, in log files, uh, I'm not tracking certain bits of information, perhaps. So it, it varies across the board about what developers are thinking in terms of trying to implement that, um, you know, for example, um, so, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to save the password, but that's data protection uh, into a log file, for example. Uh, that's more data protection. How are you verifying when a user does something in your system that you may not necessarily want to track, or something you do want to track, some things you don't want to track? How are you, how are you doing that? And right now, I, I still get kind of blank stares. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not doing anything, or I'm not thinking about that. So um, I think it's still, you know, it's, it really is a, a key area to talk about and to help developers understand the difference and, and how can they distinguish data protection and then the privacy of that data or the things that they're doing with, with their data. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that, that, that should hopefully help Alana here to know where your, where your mindset is. So now, Alana, the challenge I'm going to put before you is let's pretend you only had five minutes total time. Mm-hmm to influence this developer who's just given you the answer to what he thinks about from privacy perspective. So you got five minutes to really explain to this developer what are the most important things that they need to understand. And this will help our audience because a lot of the audience are developers that are new to privacy. So with that, I'll let you take it away. Sure. You know, this is uh, such an amazing question to me and, and a critical question because I've been thinking about it a lot and uh, it's interesting how you phrase it. It's how privacy can affect developers, but I want to put it 
I want to reverse it. Uh, I want to see how developers can influence privacy. Uh, being a developer and understanding privacy principles can be so instrumental to the privacy risk and translating um, or incorporating privacy into product design and requirements. I call developers my best friends because they play a critical role in, in the business. It doesn't matter if I'm developing a product, a hardware, software, mobile app. It doesn't matter what I do. Uh, they are they are my champions uh, because if how product is built often determines what we build, how it works, how customers use it, how well it's protect customer data, employee data, business data, um, and uh, the risk it may impo- may pose to our business or, or future markets. And uh, developers play an instrumental role in this process uh, because very often. Privacy and security controls to protect personal information uh, required for a particular process or application or product ignored or left to the end of the product development cycle. And we all know that the first thing, the business is pressuring us. We need to build something. We need to create. And privacy becomes an afterthought. And when it happens, it usually results not only in potential violations of law and regulations, but also in poor user experience. And uh, also developers may end up with unnecessary work to fix certain things later. And as a result, there is customer dissatisfaction. So I don't want to be dramatic, but uh, I, I and I don't want to say that developers, they, they are the ones who are going to fix everything. But I want to say that it can cost us a business. If there is no collaboration between developers and privacy, uh, and, and there is no conversation happening as early as possible in the product development process. It can cost, um, it co- it can cost the business because if the product becomes malfunctioning, um, and regulators will come and, uh, ruin your brand and reputation or just customers, uh, don't want to buy it. And, uh, privacy is a business differentiator. Very often, uh, Customers, we want to purchase the product because it's privacy proactive and privacy is built into design. And without developers, unfortunately, it cannot be possible. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the first thing you said there about flipping that question around and saying it's not, it's not as important how privacy impacts developers, but it's how developers impact privacy. And I think that's what you just summarized there is that each individual developer has the ability to influence privacy by implementing the requirements and understanding the concepts that you were, you were discussing. Absolutely. And it's a very challenging task and, and it's no way uh, developers can solve it alone. I think it's, you know what, we all speak the same language, but it doesn't seem the same in practice. You know, developers have very precise black and white conversations. It works or it doesn't. That's the nature of their work. And unfortunately, for privacy professionals, very often we hear it depends. And developers get frustrated, and I understand why. And from the legal standpoint or compliance standpoint and privacy, uh, privacy people think that developers don't care. And it's not the truth. It, it, it's, it's just about having the same, using the same terminology, uh, using, the, using kind of the same concept to bring the breach between developers and privacy to make sure that we have uh, the same common language uh, that we use around privacy and product development, making sure that the product is functioning, it meets the demand of consumer, business, and regulators. And it's a challenging task.
Yeah. So just to, to wrap up this conversation, what would be, if you had, if you could only give Robert a, as playing the role of the average developer, if you could give him a one sentence call to action, what would you recommend that he do coming out of this conversation? Uh, become friends with your privacy and security. Yeah. So Start become friends. That's all. It's communication is the key. That's everything it takes. It's the big, it's the smallest and the biggest task that needs to happen. Yep. That's, that's awesome. So Alana, thank you for your time here introducing this foundational idea of privacy and security and how these things all fit into the world of application security. And we look forward to having you back in the future for a deeper dive into some of these topics. And we'll let the listeners help us by providing some feedback via Twitter and letting us know what are the areas about security and privacy that we want to dive deeper into. So Alana, Robert, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Robert and Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Born and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.